For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Carving It Up Live right here on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. As always, I'm Bryson Carver. We've got a great show for you lined up tonight. Uh, some NBA talk. Going to talk about the Ime Udoka story in the second segment. A lot to discuss in that regard also. He keeps he keeps stirring the pot, and he, and he won't stop. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Jerry Jones will not stop attacking my man Dak Prescott especially to do it in favor of one Cooper Rush. This is the second straight day I've had to talk about this. I'm starting to get a little tired of it. I'll talk about that in the third segment. Also, my favorite basketball player in the world, to me the best player in the world, I'm not a little biased. Okay, I'm, I'm just a little biased. Wardell Stephen Curry II was ranked by ESPN, not the best player or the second best player, the third or the fourth. He was ranked the fifth best player in the NBA by ESPN. I'll discuss that in my fourth segment. And of course, the end of the show, it is what... I pride myself on during the football season every week, and that is my weekly predictions. I'm 1-0 this week. I feel good. I picked Cleveland last night. Didn't think they covered the spread, but, hey, we, we, we don't count it based on whether I got it right in terms of, you know, what the line was and whatnot. Did I predict the winner correctly? And I did. I'm 1-0. I feel great about my picks this week. That is outside of Bryce's bleak bets, which I'll discuss that, as well as upset of the week. We've got, uh, what else we have? Uh, my my uh, If I were a bet man, lot to discuss today. And, of course, John. John had to point out right off the bat, he says, let's go, Yankees. Uh, of course, he had to, to do that. By the way, a couple things before we even start any any business, because there's there's so much going on in sports right now, and we appreciate everybody tuning in, as always. Um, so now that John John brought it up, it's actually a pretty good time to bring it up. Because Aaron Judge, not going to do like a whole segment of this, but I did want to mention it. 60 homers, 61 would tie Roger Maris for the American League record. Not just the Yankees record, folks, but the American League single season record. Uh, I think the Yankees have 13 games left. So, you know, again, to, to, to quote the segment, uh, which you will hear, you know, later in the show when, you know, when I do uh, my predictions. What are I betting, man? For a betting man, I bet Aaron Judge is probably going to hit 62 homers or more. Uh, I hope he doesn't do it against my Red Sox. I hope that Alex Cora continues to walk him because I don't want number I want number 61 to come. I can't wait to watch Aaron Judge break the record or tie and then break the record. I just don't want it to come at my team's expense, even though our season has been over for about two months. And also, 
A little news regarding another one of my teams, and that would be the Golden State Warriors. Uh, and I'm going to talk about Steph being ranked the fifth best player in the NBA later. But I think it is worth mentioning that he is coming back. The man, the myth, the legend. The man who, with the fate of the universe on the line, Marsha's got a death beam pointed at Earth, as one said. Who do I got taking the last shot? And who is coming back for year 19? I want Iguodala. Andre Iguodala is coming back. This will be his last season. He announced on his podcast with Evan Turner, the Point Forward Podcast. Andre Iguodala, you, you always see him on my show. Uh, he's got a great book, The Sixth Man, that came out a few years ago. I've got that in my background. But Andre Iguodala coming back to win ring number five. So it's a good decision by him. Make a little money, obviously. He'll probably he'll be you know the vet minimum, obviously. So uh, you know, good for him. And back to the Yankees, uh, sort of mentioned. John John says best time is to do it. Best time to do it is against Boston. Ugh, gosh, well, I'll definitely be talking to Boston sports today. It's not going to be the Red Sox. It's well, I'm going to talk about the Patriots later, just when I do my predictions. But I'm going to be talking some Celtics in the second segment. But first, we did have a Thursday night football game last night, folks. And it was it was interesting, uh, a slightly more entertaining than I thought it would be. You had the Pittsburgh Steelers, you had the Cleveland Browns, a big AFC North matchup, longtime rivalry between those two teams. Gosh, I'm stumbling on my words. Terrible today. But it's kind of big brother versus little brother. You know, Pittsburgh's got the six Super Bowls. They've had great quarterbacks ranging from Terry Bradshaw to Ben Roethlisberger, and right now they're looking for their new quarterback. And I'll get to that in just a second. Cleveland has never even been to a Super Bowl, so obviously they're, they got goose egg in that category compared to Pittsburgh 6. But what you saw last night is two really talented rosters. Um, George Pickens is really good. And I told y'all that George Pickens was going to be really good coming into the season. I said, I watched this dude. I watched him live at Georgia. I wasn't at Georgia. I was at Knoxville, Neyland Stadium. Go Vols. Let's beat Florida. But... This kid is out of this world. His thing is, can he stay healthy? His health is the reason he was a second-round pick, not his talent. Dude's a first-round talent. He just couldn't stay healthy in college. You saw that one-handed catch. It was ridiculous. It's crazy. You see the talent for Pittsburgh. Even without T.J. Watt, that defense had its moments, right? Even offensively, you've got uh, guys like Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool. That Friermuth kid, the tight end, I really like. Najee Harris. But as I always say... If you don't have that guy at quarterback, if you don't have the guy who, as I always say, can take you there with the talent that you already have, yeah, it doesn't mean anything. I'm not discounting Pittsburgh possibly making the playoffs or not. TJ Watt will come back in five weeks, hopefully. Hopefully he'll be 100% himself if he is. He's one of the three best defensive players in football. Might be in the conversation to be the best. But Mitch Trubisky is their quarterback. And what Pittsburgh is doing is wasting really, really valuable time. And they've been doing it the last three years. Okay, this is, Pittsburgh's a very well-run franchise. The Rooney family, great. Mike Tomlin, great coach, never had a losing season. They've been wasting valuable time for about three years now. Because Big Ben's last great season was 2018. Because I think that year, if I'm not mistaken, Big Ben might have led the league in passing that year. He had over the 5,000 yards. He was great. He had AB. He had Juju Smith-Schuster and all these weapons. And they were, you know, he was great. Then two games into 2019, he had the elbow injury. 
And so it was a carousel quarterbacks that year. You had uh, Mason Rudolph and, and Duck Hodges starting at quarterback. I mean, it was kind of a mess. The kind of, it was a big mess for the Pittsburgh Steelers. That, after that 2019 season, that organization should have committed and said, we need to go find Big Ben's successor. But they didn't. And they started 2020 11-0. We're like, oh, you know, listen, Big Ben's back, right? Maybe he'll be here another few years. We don't need a backup plan. Yeah, you do. Because at the end of that season, Ben started to show his age. They lost four of their last five games down the stretch. And they lost badly in the wild card game against these same Cleveland Browns. Who many of those players were on that field in that playoff game at what was once called Heinz Field. Last year, you really saw Big Ben's age and he finally retired. And your backup plan is Mitch Trubisky. My thing is this, and this is why I've said since day one, I, I liked Kenny Pickett, didn't love him, liked Kenny Pickett out of college, nice player, never never blew me away as a type of guy that I'm like, okay, I think he could be a franchise quarterback. I could be dead wrong. The kid's never started a game yet. I, I, you know, I reserve the right to, to see him play for an extended period of time in real-life NFL games. What I do know is that he looks great in the preseason. What do you have to lose? Pittsburgh, you know you're not a Super Bowl contender. Kenny Pickett is 23 years old. He was in college for five, six years. I think it might have been six because he redshirted his freshman year, if I'm not mistaken. And then because of COVID, all of the college athletes were given another year. So the kid is like Joe Burrow's age. And, and you're, you're not putting him out there? Either they don't like what they're seeing in practice, which I have a hard time believing given what Pickett gave in the preseason. Or they're once again reverting back to their sort of really conservative ways. In that we've got Big Ben, right? Big Ben's just good enough. Like we, we're going to stay with Big Ben, stick with Big Ben. Don't need to bring in a new uh, a quarterback to develop behind him. And now you're paying the price for it. Is it just so Mitch Trubisky takes all the hits? What's, how's that going to help you? I mean, how's it going to help Trubisky? How's it going to help your team? Who gives you the best chance to win? Pittsburgh should be 0-3 today, folks. They should not have won that game against Cincinnati. That is despite forcing five turnovers off of Joe Burrow. And the offense for Pittsburgh was still awful. Had that one great drive at the end, but that was it. Did nothing against New England offensively. Did very little last night. When the highlight of the night for Pittsburgh offensively was the George Pickens catch. That was it. That, that was all she wrote for the Steelers. Mitch Trubisky is, a, is in that low-end starter, high-end backup group with, ironically, a guy he played last night, Jacoby Brissett, with Andy Dalton, with Teddy Bridgewater. Those guys, low-end starter, high-end backup. If those guys are your back quarterback, that is good news for you because they can come in when, you know, two, three starts, depending on how long your starting quarterback is out. But you never believe that they could be their franchise quarterback. You ne- you're not like, oh, listen, man, they could replace the starter. No. They're the perfect backup to have. Mitch Trubisky was Josh Allen's backup last year. If, God forbid, Josh Allen had gone down, perfect backup plan. He's, a, he's kind of a poor man's Josh Allen. Right? He's big. He's athletic. He can move. He can, they don't have to change the offense. That's what you want in a backup. And we know Trubisky isn't in the long-term plans for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so because of that, I say... What are you gaining by starting him? 
So what, the offensive line is going to get exponentially better? Because if I know anything about offensive lines, I know this. They get hurt as frequently, if not more frequently, than in any other position in football. Because it's the most physically tolling. So maybe they build a little bit of cohesiveness in that unit. I have a hard time believing that because simply put, there's not a ton of talent up front for Pittsburgh. Put the kid in. Eli Manning, I heard Peyton Manning talking on another podcast about this. He was talking about what Eli told him once. Eli Manning said that he learned way more. Eli Manning was a rookie in 2004. He was the backup behind future Hall of Famer Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner started the first 10 games. Eli started the last six. Eli said, he told Peyton Manning, Peyton said this in a podcast, that he learned so much more from the six games that he played as opposed to the 10 games he sat on the bench. There's only so much you can learn from practice and from watching on the sideline. There's only so far you can go. At some point, you got to get out there on the field. Sometimes you you do have to take the hits, as brutal as it could be. Now, you don't want to get guys hurt out there. Don't do what the Bengals are doing with Joe Burrow or what the Colts did with Andrew Luck. Build that offensive line in the offseason. But let's see what he's got. Get something out of this season. Even the bad teams, Atlanta. Atlanta sees the talent that they have. Seattle sees the talent they have. Move forward, see what we do next year in regards to the draft, in regards to free agency, and find our new franchise quarterback. Because we know we're going to be bad this year. We're going to have top five picks. They have a plan. What is Pittsburgh's plan? What is it? Is it just to make the playoffs as the 17 and get smoked by Kansas City or Buffalo? Is that the goal? Because that seems like kind of a... Waste of a season, just like last year and the year before that. To me, wh- what is your plan? What, where are you trying to get? And it's disappointing coming from an organization that we've always revered. They went, the standard in Pittsburgh is championships. They, I mean, they're tied with New England for the most Super Bowls. They had really the first dynasty in the Super Bowl era in the 1970s. With Terry Bradshaw, all those weapons, Lynn Swan and Franco Harris and the Steel Curtain on defense. I mean, those Pittsburgh teams had tons of Hall of Famers. And the Hall of Fame head coach, Chuck Knoll. What is the plan? Start Kenny Pickett next week, Mike Tomlin. Who do the Steelers have next week? They've They've got the Jets. It's a perfect game to start them. It's a perfect game to start them. You're at home. It's a one o'clock window. It's not going to be a, a big Monday night game or Sunday night game from the whole country. A lot of pressure. No, one o'clock at home. You get an extended time to prepare. Put him out there against the Jets. What do you gain from Mitch Trubisky? It's not like Kenny Pickett is Trey Lance and is 21 years old and started, you know, 15, 20 games in college. No, he. He started like 60 games in college in that stadium. So he's comfortable playing there. The Steelers know him very well because they're in the same practice facility as the Pitt Panthers are. You know what you have. Either you don't trust him, and if not, you shouldn't have drafted him, or you're falling too much, falling back too much on your sort of conservative beliefs about how to run a football team and how to get back in the championship discussion. It can't just be great defenses, which Pittsburgh has plenty of those. They got plenty of great defensive players. Minka Fitzpatrick's one of the best secondary players in football. TJ Watt, just one defensive player of the year. Cam Hayward. Cam Hayward's been in the league a decade, and every time I look up, he's making a play. 
That can't be the only way to do it anymore. This isn't the 1970s. And even in the 70s, you did have Terry Bradshaw and you did have a ton of weapons on the outside. That is the game today. And to Pittsburgh's credit, by the way, they've drafted receivers extremely well. Pickens, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool. You know, they took Antonio Brown years ago. We know the trouble Antonio Brown is, but nobody dies that that man can play football. They stole him in the sixth round. And what was it? Was it 2010? They took Juju Smith-Schuster in 2017. Look how he panned out. They know how to draft receivers and tight ends for that matter. Again, Fryermuth, I, I really like that kid. Najee Harris, first-round pick. He's, he's really good. Build the offensive line and see what you have in Kenny Pickett. What, what is the difference in Pitts? If I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, if I'm a Steelers fan, I would rather miss the playoffs but be like, oh, okay, we've got our quarterback now. See what you have in Kenny Pickett. Then make the playoffs with Mitch Trubisky and get smoked in the wild card because then you're back to square one. You didn't go anywhere this year. So I, 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 don't, I don't get what Pittsburgh is doing for the life of me. Um, but to the credit of Cleveland, though, they did what I thought they'd do. They'd run the football. Uh, Jacoby Brissett played pretty well. Amari Cooper had over 100 yards receiving. He's a good offensive night for Cleveland. Uh, defensively, obviously, for them as well. And so the Browns are 2-1. and one. I saw a stat. Uh, <laughs> it said that Kevin Stefanski is the first Browns head coach to beat the Steelers three times since Bill Belichick in the mid-90s since Bill Belichick coached the Browns in the mid-90s. So uh, it's safe to say Cleveland, Cleveland's got their coach. I, I, so many people have bashed Kevin Stefanski. Listen, there's a lot wrong in Cleveland. A lot, many that doesn't even need to be discussed. There's a lot wrong with the Cleveland Browns. Head coach isn't one of them. Kevin Stefanski's a very good head coach. Don't forget, the man won coach of the year in 2020. Okay? I mean, we see how Baker's looking in Carolina, isn't it? It's not looking so good. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But it's a good win for Cleveland last night. The Browns next week got at the Falcons. Listen, they they should win that football game. Atlanta's got a terrible run defense. So if they can run the ball well, not turn the ball over, kind of play, uh, you know, make Jacoby Brissett kind of be that game manager type quarterback, Cleveland Browns could be 3-1 and one 10 days from now. They, to me, they should be 3-1. and one. I, they, they don't have a line yet for this game. Uh, then in week five, they've got the Chargers and Patriots and Ravens. That's kind of where the tests start. Bengals, Dolphins, Bills, Bucks. I mean, middle of their schedule is brutal before Deshaun Watson is scheduled to come back at his old team, the Houston Texans. But if you're Cleveland, you got to take advantage of next week against Atlanta. Get to 3-1, feel good about yourself, and go from there. But again, as for Pittsburgh, I, I don't know what they're doing. Start Kenny Pickett. You got the Jets next week at home. He is a stadium he's familiar with. You're more talented than the Jets. You'll be favored against the Jets. It's a one o'clock window. It's not big, or even the big afternoon window on CBS or Fox. One o'clock window at home. Start the kid. What do you gain from Trubisky? You know what he is. You know what he is. And also, see how the team responds to Pickett. I mean, the reports I'm hearing at Pittsburgh is they love him. They love his leadership ability. Put him out there. He's 23. He's a he's an old rookie. Get him out there, man. Come on. Let's go. All right. Uh, moving on to a little more serious matter, and that is Ime Udoka, the head coach of the Boston Celtics, who has been suspended for the entire 2022-23 NBA season by the Celtics. Not by the NBA. This is by the Celtics uh, for having the first initial report from Sham Sharani, if I can pull it up here, 
was that, uh, quote, this is from Shams yesterday, quote, Celtics coach Ime Odoka had an improper, intimate, and consensual relationship with a female member of the team staff. It's been deemed a violation of the franchise's code of conduct. So that was the initial report. And then late yesterday, about 12 hours after Shams reported that, Shams tweeted, the Boston Celtics have suspended head coach Ime Odoka for the entire season. So Ime Odoka's not going to coach the Celtics this season. Uh, I forgot his replacement's uh, name. I forgot who it was. Uh, he's, he's kind of one of, I think he's going to be the second youngest coach in the NBA this season. I'm, I'm blanking on his name. He played college basketball at West Virginia. But this is... Uh, for, let's start with the basketball standpoint, first of all. It's it's a huge blow to the Celtics. We know. Came into last season, Emi Odoka is a rookie head coach, and they got up to a little bit of a rocky start. I mean, there's a point in December, January, they're under 500. We're thinking, oh, it's kind of classic Boston from the last three years, right? They're, they're good. Tatum's very talented. So is Jalen Brown. Marcus Smart plays defense, but not great executing late in games. Defensively, they're eh. And before you know it, they finished the regular season as the best defensive team in the in basketball. And I think they went like, was it 28 and seven down the stretch? I mean, it was something crazy. They went a huge run down the stretch of the season. They swept the Brooklyn Nets, shocked a lot of people by sweeping the Brooklyn Nets in round one. They beat the defending champion Bucks in seven games in round two. They beat the Heat on the road in a game seven. And folks, they were two ends away from the championship. They had my Warriors down 2-1. Before Steph went off in game four, Wiggins went off in game five, Steph went off in game six, night-night, as, as Steph Curry would say, and the Warriors won the championship. But I think what is what is interesting in this in this matter is is sort of the the, the discussion about the whole consensual relationship thing with Emi Odoka. Here's what I'm here to tell you. I don't care what anybody in the national media says, what anybody says. Okay. Ime Odoka is not getting suspended the whole season because he had a consensual relationship with a staff member. I have a, an impossibly hard time believing that. This is as normal as it gets. Now, you do have sort of that power dynamic, right? Head coach, staff member, like it's not, it's not a great power dynamic working there. Be that as it may. This is very normal. Consensual relationships. Which is why... There's more to it. Shams himself said there is more to the story that sort of that will come later. So whether or not, and, and there was a report saying that he had, she was the uh, uh, the woman he was with was accusing that he uh, alleging that he made unwanted advances. So now we're sort of getting into sexual assault misconduct territory. At that point, I'm going to say exactly what I said when the Deshaun Watson news broke a year and a half ago. So I'm going to step back and let it play out because we don't know all the facts. What I do know, that coach is not getting the whole season. They're not going to dock their rookie head coach who did a tremendous job last year. Led him to the finals in year one as the head coach of the Celtics. Had him two wins away from the championship. You're telling me they're going to suspend him because he had a consensual relationship with a staff member? That That is... <laughs> that's very hard for me to believe. That's why there was a lot of shock on, on social media, like a year for that. Like, I don't know if I've ever heard of that type of punishment for that specifically, which is why I believe there's more to the story.
Now, a lot of people are speculating, could the Celtics have done a better job keeping this in-house? Sure, but media day is on Monday. Training camp opens, media day opens this coming Monday. There's only so long that they could hide the fact that Ime Odoka is not going to be coaching for a while. He's not go- The report came out he's not going to resign his position of the Celtics, which I think is a smart move. Let's let this thing play out. But there are reports that the Celtics, Celtics could fire him. So what does this do for Boston in terms of championship contention? Well, his assistant coach was on the staff last year. Does he, and he's you know, going to be assuming the role of interim head coach, does he assume that sort of commanding presence that Emi Odoka had? In terms of having this team ready to play defense, that's saying one thing about Boston, man. <laughs> Best defensive team in the basketball. Nobody was better than them, than them in the regular season. Marcus Smart became the first guard since the glove himself, Gary Payton, in the 90s to win defensive player of the year. This team, they're, they're, there's not a bad defensive player on the Celtics. That's what Ime Odoka commanded of them. And you saw that, as well as the talent they had offensively, helped get them to the finals. His, his uh, adjustments, especially in that big game four against Milwaukee. So it is a very significant loss. That along with the fact that Boston lost Danilo Gallinari, which I thought was a great pickup for them. I've always been a Gallinari fan. They lost him for the season with a, a knee tear, so he's gone. They did add Malcolm Brogdon, which I thought was a tremendous move as well. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I had them in Milwaukee neck and neck to win the East. I'm going to have to put Boston a step down into the class of like Philadelphia and Miami. To me, this is, it's, it's Milwaukee's concert, conference to lose. And there's, Cleveland's going to be very good this year with Donovan Mitchell added to the team. So, for Boston, they're going to be good. Like, they're, they're going to win at least one playoff series, in my view. But missing Udoka, that is, that's going to be tough. That, that is going to be tough to come back from in terms of adjustments, in terms of uh, how good they are defensively. Maybe they do play great defense under this new guy, under this new interim head coach. We'll see. Only time will tell. And only time will tell on when the facts come out about what's going on here. Because all I know and all I will say there is no freaking way that he's getting the season for a consensual relationship. This was Boston's decision by this. When Adam Silver won the NBA, this was Boston. This was Brad Stevens. There's something more to this in terms of what actually happened, in terms of allegations. We're just going to have to wait and see what, what's going on. But this is a serious story. This is something that definitely we're going to be keeping our eyes on for a very long time here. You know, keep Woj on speed dial and and Shams and everybody, Chris Haynes, all the reporters, all of them, uh, because this is going to be a very, very interesting story to follow. I I can't remember anything quite like this. At least the opening sort of uh, shock of it. The bottom line is, at the end of the day, there's one person to blame. That's Ime Odoka. He put himself in this position. 
consensual or not. The Shams tweet says, I'll go back to it. The Shams tweet says, it has been deemed a violation of the franchise's code of conduct. I didn't know relationships in, again, this is boss's decision. I didn't know relationships uh, in Boston were deemed illegal, be, being in a relationship with somebody, uh, you know, a part of the organization. Maybe that's sort of their own thing. I, I don't, there, there's some companies that have that policy because it, it, it's, you know, it gets kind of complicated and then it's, it, it's, it's better to not have it than to have it, it within your, you know, sort of w- w- within your code of conduct. But for, for the head coach, of the Boston Celtics, you can't put yourself in this position. You can't. You can't. Year one, and now coming into year two, Boston's got big expectations. You know, chance to win, ban- to win banner number 18 past their arch rival Lakers. Maybe they meet up with my Warriors in the finals again. Yeah, you had a, gr- not a good offseason. Boston had a great offseason. And then, bah, you can't put yourself in this position. It, reports are it became known around like July that there was something going on. And so two months later, Emi Odoka is gone for the 2022-23 NBA season. We'll see what happens as the facts come out. I'll give you more and more reaction on the show, but I, I can't really react to much with what we have in about a 36-hour span. So definitely going to be keeping up with this, though. Let the facts come out and see what happens. But consensual or not, Emi Odoka put himself in this position. It's that simple. You can't do it, especially with this team. Barry Grant Jr., All Even Podcast, he says they should have kept it private. You could certainly argue that. And that's the thing I would sort of combat that on, Barry, is that media day is Monday. If they're going to suspend him, they can keep that private. Who knows? Maybe they suspended him before yesterday. But come Monday, when... The head coach isn't there. People could be like, what? Did he just go like Kyrie Irving on us? Like, where'd he go? And at that point, you have no choice. You have to explain what happened. So as far as the gory details of it, yeah. Keep that in-house. I agree with you there, Barry. Like, just say you suspended him for the season. Let everybody speculate. I agree with you there. But as far as, you know, not keeping it, and, you know, sort of keep it for the public that you that you suspended him. People are going to find out eventually. And so, again, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens as the story continues um, continues to develop. But I'm sorry, man. This puts this puts Milwaukee as the favorites to win the East. I mean, Milwaukee took Boston seven games without their second best player, Chris Middleton. They had him down three two, and we know Boston. I talked about it all playoffs long. They, they they were pretty average. Actually, the definition of average at home in the playoffs. What were they? I think they finished six and six at home in the postseason. They were they were great. They didn't have much of a home court advantage, not because of their their fans or anything or, or playing in their home arena, but they just didn't play that well at home. And Milwaukee took advantage of that at times. So did Miami. So did Golden State. Hey, we won the championship in Boston in game six. We had that big game four win. But I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to say this continues to play out um, for, for, the, uh, for the Celtics. But 
shifting now to back to the NFL, I should say, not to the NFL, back to the NFL, because after all, it is it is an NFL show today. It's my week three prediction. Stay tuned for that later in the show, uh, predicting all of Sunday's NFL action. But, uh, oh boy, Jerry Jones. You know, we need to do a segment. I, I was thinking about this. We need to do like a weekly segment since Jerry Jones does weekly talk shows and, and, and you know, radio shows. I mean, he did something during the week that I don't think I've seen Jerry do in a very long time, and that's hold a an actual press conference midweek. All the Dallas reporters are there. He's answering questions. Jerry only does normally only does that after games, and then he does his radio appearances, or he'll be on a, a, a local TV show. No, he did an actual press conference like a player or a coach. Be that as it may, we need to do a segment, and I may actually start doing this next week called From the Lips of Gerald Wayne Jones. I think I think there's a junior at the end. I think he's Gerald Wayne Jones Jr., if I'm not mistaken. I'll have to check that. But From the Lips of Gerald Wayne Jones. That that We may have to do a segment about that every week because it's always something. It, he, he's, like, he, he's, he's like Kyrie Irving is like Aaron Rodgers. Now, those guys are – it's because they're weirdos. But in this case, it's because he's an egomaniac. Um, <laughs> so at – at the practice facility, he did a press conference, and uh, he was asked about Cooper Rush and, you know, about, hey, you know, maybe is there going to be like a quarterback controversy? Would you like there to be? And Jerry Jones says, quote, of course I would. Of course. That means we'd have won. If he'd have come in and played as well as Prescott played, Rush played that well over the next games ahead, I'd walk to New York to get that. And, uh, and they asked him, they said, uh, so you would welcome a quarterback conference? Uh, you know, do you think Rush can outplay Dak? And Jerry Jones backtracked. He said, quote, well, I don't know that. You, can find, you can't find on record where I thought, I said I thought Dak Prescott could do it when he stepped in and had the chance to do that, but he did it. Okay. That's the second time he's done this. That's the second time he's done this in two weeks is open that can of worms and say, hey, you know, Cooper Rush, he keeps winning, which he's won one game, folks. He's won one game against what has turned out to be, at least thus far in the season, an average Cincinnati team. That aside, he's saying, hey, Cooper Rush keeps winning. Hey, we, we, may, have to, we may have to have a little discussion about her, or who our quarterback is. Okay, let me give you an example. And ironically, it actually has to do with the same injury that Dak is is recovering from the, the thumb injury, the broken thumb. Jer, uh, not Jerry Jones. Drew Brees had that same injury. I don't know if it was his thumb or it was one of his fingers. He broke one of his fingers in a week two game against the Los Angeles Rams. He missed five games. Teddy Bridgewater, again, low end starter, high end backup, comes in, plays pretty well. The Saints go five and zero oh with Drew Brees. With, I'm sorry, with Teddy Bridgewater. Second, Drew Brees healthy. Yep, Drew Brees back in the lineup. Now, Dak's not as great as Brees was, obviously. But this should not even be a discussion. And folks, this goes back to what I've always said. It wouldn't be a story. Put Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush on the Minnesota Vikings. Dak's the quarterback of the Vikings. Rush is his backup. Dak doesn't play too great against uh, Tampa Bay at home on Sunday night football. Okay, doesn't get a whole lot of protection. Receivers don't separate. And late fourth quarter, breaks his thumb and is out around, we're thinking about six weeks now from the injury. Cooper Rush steps in, wins in week two. 
You think the owner of the Vikings? Heck, you think the coach of the Vikings, Kevin O'Connell, saying, hey, we may have to we have to talk about who the quarterback is pretty soon. Keep Cooper Rush keeps winning. No, when Dak comes back, he's going to be the starter. As a matter of fact, Mike McCarthy himself, the actual head coach of the Dallas Cowboys, and I mean, who's high on Mike McCarthy? I'm not. Most people aren't. But he is the head coach. And they asked him about that. Dallas media asked him about that today. About, hey, you think there's going to be a quarterback controversy? And, and Mike McCarthy said, quote, there's no controversy here. Dak's our quarterback. It's like, yeah, of, of course he is. This wouldn't be a story outside of Dallas, Texas. But because of the man in charge, it is. This has always been my issue. This, this defines why I've been saying for, I'm not kidding, for two years on this very show, been begging Dak Prescott to get out of Dallas as soon as he possibly can. That owner doesn't want you. And Jerry said today about how he's so high on Dak Prescott and he believes he can take us there. Do you? If you do, you wouldn't have looked to my eye at the press conference and said, uh, said that I overpaid you. If you believed in Dak Prescott when he was on the cheap, when he wasn't even making a million dollars a year as a fourth-round pick, rookie year. Everybody in Dallas, once Tony Romo comes back, says Dak's the guy. Jason Garrett, Dak's our quarterback. Guys in the Cowboys locker room, we love Dak. He's playing well. Even Stephen Jones was talking about, hey, Dak's playing really well. He, you know, he's he's gonna be our quarterback. Second Dak lost a start against the New York Giants. Here comes old Jerry Jones on all those radio shows suggesting that Tony Romo needs to come back in the lineup. That is despite Dak Prescott leading the Cowboys to 11 straight wins, which is a team record. He loses one start, doesn't play well in it. Let's replace it with Tony Romo. Jerry, I don't care what that man says. He's never been high on Dak, ever. Is it because, dare I say, and I think this is a possibility, is it because Dak doesn't kind of cozy up to him? Like, and I love Romo, love him. I think he's a, one of the most underrated quarterbacks ever, and he's obviously in a, a tremendous broadcaster. Love Tony Romo. But, you know, Romo kind of warmed up to Jerry a little bit. And I can't say necessarily blame Tony. I mean, Jerry Jones did give him a chance as an undrafted free agent out of Eastern Illinois in 2003. Can't blame him. But Dak doesn't have that type of relationship with him. And because he doesn't sort of, if you will, kiss the ring, Jerry's never been that high on one Dak Prescott. If Cooper Rush came in, let's say he beats the Giants. And then he beats the Commanders. And then he shocks the world, upsets the Rams. And then they beat the Eagles. And then Dak Prescott's ready to go week seven against the Detroit Lions. There's not a controversy. Dak steps back in. He's ready to go. The fact that we are even debating today, who's better, Dak Prescott or Cooper Rush? Come on, folks. This is ridiculous. So leave it to Jerry Jones once again to open the can of worms. In Jerry's eyes, all press is good press, and that is exactly why he said this. It gives him attention, gives the organization attention, and is another opportunity to take a shot at his franchise quarterback. And so, for the, what is this, third time, fourth time-ish in the last two months or so? Or month, not, not two months, month or so. I'm going to look into this camera right now. Dak Prescott, 
if you are listening to this podcast or watching on YouTube, first of all, thank you. And secondly, get out of Dallas as soon as you can. That guy don't want you. He told you to his face. He overpaid you. He didn't believe. I remember watching an interview Dak did with Graham Benzinger a couple of years ago. Dak said himself, he didn't think Jerry believed him in his rookie year. He said he was looking to prove him wrong. His own owner. Despite winning 11 starts, despite winning the rookie of the year award that year, still had to have to prove his owner wrong. Didn't have to prove his coach wrong. His coach believed in him. Garrett believed in him. Team believed in him. Most of the fan base did. But the man on top did not and still doesn't. Again, this put Dak and Cooper Rush on any other team. And I feel bad for Cooper Rush that he's being dragged into this. I genuinely do. Obviously, I feel terrible for Dak. I feel bad for Cooper Rush because he didn't ask to be dragged into this either because he knows his job is, I mean, would Cooper Rush like to start? Of course, Cooper Rush would like to start. Of course he would. He's, he's an athlete. He wants to play. But he knows his job is to come in, run the offense, you know, try not to turn the ball over, rely on the run game, work off the play action, third and short situations, man the ship until the captain gets back. That is his job. That is the, that's why they say most important position on a football team's quarterback. Second most position on a football team is backup quarterback. Because if your guy stinks, if your backup stinks, you're screwed. Cooper Rush doesn't stink. He's a, he's a bat, he's a good backup quarterback. And that is his role. But there's only one man in the NFL that would make this a story. And he did. Not shocked at all. Um, so let's see. Continue to to sort of look through what's going on. By the way, the Cowboys are one-point underdogs against the New York Giants. That I still haven't predicted that game yet. Uh, obviously, I'm predicting Sunday's games in Week 3, which I always do on Fridays. Um, I have yet to decide who I'm picking to win this game because, to me, it is it feels like it's a... It, it, what Right now, what the two teams are good at and what they're bad at seems to be the same. Cooper Rush, Daniel Jones... Listen, man... Danny, Danny Daniel Jones is probably better, but it's it's not by much. Daniel Jones at this point, I, I think he's a backup quarterback. I don't, I'm not even sure he's in that low end starter, high end backup group. I would take Mitchell Trubisky, and I would just finish bashing him in the first segment. But I would take him over Daniel Jones. Leach missed Trubisky led a team to the playoffs twice, by the way. Uh, Daniel Jones hasn't even come close to that. He's never even had a winning record in the NFL. So we got Daniel Jones versus Cooper Rush in a very intriguing quarterback matchup. It's like Alan Mahomes part two, right? You got two eh, average offensive lines. Dallas is below average due to their injuries. Saquon Barkley is unbelievable. Ezekiel Elliott has looked really good. And when he's, you know, when he's tired, okay, you put Tony Pollard in. Both receiving units are not great. Kenny Galladay's complaining about targets. CeeDee Lamb is struggling to catch the football. Dalton Schultz is out. Both defenses are very talented. Obviously, Dallas is the best defensive player in the field with Micah Parsons, but the Giants have some playmakers in that end. The weather should, I don't think the weather's going to play a huge factor. It is just September. It'll probably be chilly in the Meadowlands, but not, like, not cold. It won't be December you know, up there. And the Giants, again, are one-point favorites in that game. That, that's an interesting one. That's an interesting one to keep your eye on without a question. But something else to keep your eye on is uh, the NBA. I'm sorry, not the NBA. ESPN put out their 
NBA player rankings. They have the top 100 players in the entire association. Um, by the way, on this list, uh, Russell Westbrook was the 98th best player in the NBA. D- did we? Did anybody ever see that coming? Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I knew Russell's deficiencies. I think people who know basketball knew Russell's deficiencies. I didn't see him dropping to 98. Well, that, that's That's crazy. Uh, John, 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 John disagrees. He says, film like December today, LOL, uh, up in, up in New York. Uh, what was it today, John, where I'm at in Tennessee? Let me tell you something, man. Last night I was jackhammering out there, man. It was cold. And it's, I mean, it's only September. It was like, it was probably sub 60 degrees out there. Probably wasn't that cold, especially compared to what you're probably about to, to tell me, but it's, it's, it was it was chilly last night. It was kind of chilly this morning uh, here in in Tennessee. But man, f- fall is hitting us across the eye right now. Jeez, fall's pulling a Will Smith on us. I mean, we where I'm at, it was 90 degrees just the other day, and now it's like 60. What, what's going on? John just says it was 45 degrees at 9 a.m. Jeez, gosh, I'm, I'm telling you. We're, it's like it's it's like it's like God knew it was fall. So we go from, I mean, just stupid hot summer around the country. I mean, in in Southern California, it's like 110 degrees. It's crazy. And then fall hits, boom, we're gonna hit you with 60 degrees or less temperatures. It's like, geez, give us some time to adjust. Like, we we need a little bit of time to to under, adjust what's going on. John just says it's 55 right now. Let's see where's where, what's what is where's that where I'm at. It's uh okay, it's it's about mid 60s here. So it's 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 definitely gotten better, but yeah, it's I'm telling you man, falls falls hitting a, hitting us across the face. John just says definitely had a good summer. Yeah. Yeah, again, the s- summer was the, the weather was again was was crazy. But I guess you want that in the summer. Kind of want it to be hot in the summer. You don't want it to be 65 70. That's more like fall spring weather, but I don't know. We'll see. If, it, if this is if this is how quick fall hit us cross face, imagine winter. Whew. It's gonna be cold. All right. Um, but back to what we we're talking about. Who would have thought we, we we'd have been talking about what the weather is on September twenty third in in Tennessee, New York? That's I mean, listen, it's, it's, what's what's so fun about this show? But ESPN did their rankings, top one hundred players in the NBA. And there were some interesting ones. My man, Grant Williams. Can I give a shout-out to my man, Grant Williams? He made the list. He was the 100th best player uh, in the NBA. I'm sorry, the 99th best player in the NBA. Uh, you had Kevin Love on this list. Uh, Kate Cunningham made the top 35. Kyrie Irving was 33rd, which, listen, Kyrie's Kyrie's got his issues, but I have, I'd have a hard time. I'd have a very hard time saying, naming the 32 better players than Kyrie Irving. He's got his issues. And I, Lord knows, I've, I've never been a Kyrie fan, and the dude is never available. But when he is available, yeah, there are not 32 players better than Kyrie Irving. I'm sorry. Uh, and as the list continues to move, if you look at the start of the top 10, so the start of the top 10, 
Devin Booker made the top 10, which Booker's always been underrated. He's not a top 10 player. Because if you're a top 10 player, to me, that people are saying you can be the best player in a championship winning team. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. I thought Devin Booker should have been in the top five for the MVP last year. But 10th, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, they went down to number nine, uh, John Morant. I don't have any problems with that. They had Kevin Durant eighth. Again, I have a hard time saying that there are seven players currently playing basketball that are better than Kevin Durant. He got swept. I get that. Eighth? Move up the list. They had Tatum above KD, which, you know me, I defend Jason Tatum more than most. Jason Tatum is not a better basketball player than Kevin Durant. That's not even debatable. They had LeBron at sixth. LeBron James, as the kids said. LeBron James is sixth. Can I, let me once again say, I have a hard time believing LeBron's not the best player in the NBA anymore. Five players better than him? I've got him third. I've got him third behind Steph and Giannis. Steph and Giannis aside, LeBron's best player in the world still. Like, put him at six to me is nutso. Nutso. And John John puts it perfectly. He says it's clickbait. It is. It's clickbait. And the clickbait continues. So, so here's their top five. I'm going to go one to five. Okay, one to five. Giannis, they had at number one. Listen, I think Steph's the best player in the world. If you want to put Giannis number one, I've always, I've always said this. If you're going to put Giannis number one, you're not going to get an argument out of me. Because to me, it's, it's, it is a toss-up between those two. It's Steph and Giannis with LeBron sort of as a wild card. <laughs> they had Nikola Jokic in second. They had Nikola Jokic as the second. So basically they're saying if Giannis Antetokounmpo did not play basketball, then Nikola Jokic would be the best player, the best basketball player in the whole wide world. Now, I've been deemed a Jokic hater because I didn't think he deserved either of his MVPs, despite the fact I think he is great. He is the best all-around big man we have ever seen since the great Wilt Chamberlain. He is a great player. Second best player in the NBA. It gets better. By the, uh, by the way, Nikola Jokic has lost eight of his last nine playoff games. Just wanted to throw that out there. Number third. Uh, number third. Number three, Luka. They had Luka number three. Okay. And they had Joel Embiid number four. And they had, uh, they had Steph Curry at number five. They had Steph Curry as the, as the, as the fifth play, best player in the world. If you want to debate Steph Giannis, I'm not, I don't even know if I want to join that debate just because I love both those guys. And to me, if they want to share the best player in the world, okay, fine. But to me, there's got to be one, one or the other. Let's put Giannis aside for the moment because I love Giannis. <laughs> let's start with number four. Let's go, let's go up. So they're saying Joel Embiid's better than Steph. Okay. I think the voters for this are being mesmerized, as many are. And this is part of the reason that so many people don't have Steph in the top 10. Because Joel Embiid is 7-2 and Steph is 6-3. You see the physical dominance of Embiid. You see the wingspan. You see the size. You see the incredible strength. The footwork down low. You see his defensive presence. You see the fact that he can shoot the occasional three. I, mean, I, I love Embiid. Love him. Joel Embiid has never played a single minute of an NBA Conference Finals game. He's never been in the Conference Finals. In the East. In the Eastern Conference, he's never been, he's never, never made it. So, uh, there's that. He's never been in the Conference Finals. 
and hasn't been all that great in the playoffs. Let's let's be real. That's to me is is a hidden story, and I love Embiid, but the media seems to kind of bury that under the carpet. Joel Embiid's last great playoff moment was what? Name it. When's the last great? Oh, I remember where I was when I watched that game. Game for Joel Embiid. You say, well, he's young. I don't know. Since he, since he, you know, his first two years in the NBA, he, he was hurt. So we're giving him the excuse there. He played his first NBA game in 2016. So that's that's six years in now. Like he's he's nearing 30. He's still he's like right in the middle of his prime now. This is this is the best that we're going to see from Joel Embiid for the next three four years. He has yet to play in a conference finals game. Luka Doncic third. Now the beauty of this is that Steph and Luka actually played in the Western Conference Finals. They actually, they actually played one another. And the series was over before it could even get to a game six. Luka's Mavericks had the Warriors down 22 points in game two of that series. Golden State basically won by double digits. Game three, it's a nip and tuck ball game. Who hit the big shots down the stretch? It was Steph. Not Luca. Dallas won game four. Game five. It's there for the taking. Game. Luca leads the Mavericks to go on this huge third quarter run. They pull it to within single digits. And he couldn't close. And I love Luca. I, I got Luca fourth on my list. I got him right behind LeBron. I got Luca fourth. He's, he's, he's a generational talent. Steph's a. We want to talk about all around basketball players. Obviously, Steph's a better shooter. Steph's a better scorer than Luca. Steph is a better defensive player than Luka. We're being a little bit, I'm not, I'm not totally comparing Luka Doncic to Russell Westbrook right here because I think he's a way higher basketball IQ than Westbrook has ever dreamed about having. But we get a little mesmerized by the stats with Luka Doncic. He's great. He, I think he's got a championship in his future. I think he's got some MVPs in his future. Today, you're telling me you you're telling me one game for your life you're taking Luka Doncic over Steph Curry. If you are, with all due respect, you're certifiably insane. And the number two, this is my favorite. This this is actually my favorite one on the list. Nikola Jokic. Okay. Again, I mentioned he's lost eight of his last nine playoff games. Um, like Steph and Luka. Steph and Nikola Jokic actually played one another in the playoffs. Steph actually happened to be coming off of an injury in that first round. And he cooked Jokic in game two and in game three. They went toe-to-toe in game four, and Steph in a nip-and-tuck game once again. Remember that game five? Both of them are going off, but who put the finishing touches on? It was Steph. This is ridiculous. You're telling me. A man who, against the number one defense in basketball, the Boston Celtics, against the defensive player of the year, at his position, by the way, so Marcus Smart is guarding Steph Curry most of the time because he's a point guard, Steph's a point guard. Steph averaged 30 on 50% for the field, on 40% from three, and on 88% from the free throw line. In game four, literally put the Warriors on his back to win that game. In game six, to win the championship, 
drops 34. Scores double digits in the fourth quarter. You're taking Jokic over him? Okay. I guess, I guess that Wardell is going to have to remind some people again this year. Now, I love this because this is extra fuel for him. Because we know Steph Curry, he dubbed himself the Petty King. I mean, even remember all the fans in Boston, you, you had that little, um, that little uh, uh, blackboard outside of that, uh, uh, that coffee shop in Boston that said Aisha Curry can't cook. And after game five of the final, Steph Curry wore a shirt that said Aisha Curry can cook. He's petty. He's a petty individual. Trust me. He's, he's seen this. You, you, you're going to put more fire in that man, in the baddest man in the whole wide world? Okay. All right. He's probably going to face Nikola Jokic again. He may face Luka again. He could face Embiid if he could get to a conference finals. I'm just saying. You're telling me there's four better players than that guy you just saw in the finals. Okay. Let's see. John John believes that if Kawhi didn't hit the shot in 2019, that they talked about the 76ers win the championship that year. I think they would have won that game seven. I think because if Kawhi missed that shot, the game would have went to overtime. I think Philadelphia would have won that game seven. I'm not so sure they get past Milwaukee. What people forget, people, I'm telling you, man, basketball, I'm telling you, it, it is a game. It's almost like the NFL. It's like it's a game of inches. It is a game of what ifs. People forget in that series, that Eastern Conference Finals, Milwaukee mopped the floor with the Raptors in the first two games. Game three in Toronto, it went to double overtime. So Milwaukee makes, basically Milwaukee makes one more shot in that game three in overtime. They win that game. They go up 3-0. The series is over, and Milwaukee goes to the finals. And we know whoever was coming out the East was playing a beat-up Golden State team. So good chance whoever's coming out of the East going to win the championship. But I, I don't see Philadelphia getting past them. And, we, and basketball is a game of matchups, too. Philadelphia was a big team. Milwaukee's bigger. Philadelphia could shoot the three. Milwaukee could shoot it better. Philly had a good point guard, Ben Simmons. In my view, in terms of a pure point guard, Milwaukee had a better one in Malcolm Brogdon. And we know late games, clutch shot makers, who is that guy for Philly? It was Jimmy Butler. The problem is they didn't really get Jimmy Butler the ball a whole lot. For Milwaukee, more times than not, it was Chris Middleton. They were better defensively than the Bucs. I'm sorry, than, than the Sixers. I think Milwaukee would have won that series against Philadelphia if Kawhi didn't make that iconic shot. Um... Uh, let's see. I, I can't see that emoji. Uh, let's see. Let me zoom that in. <laughs> uh, John just said, we, we, we know you love the Joker. LOL. Listen, I'm, I'm not, I'm not anti-Joker. I think he's a great player, a, a fantastic basketball player. But I think to suggest that they, that he is better, just flat out better than Steph Curry is blasphemous. Folks. Sorry for the podcast audience. I've got a hat right here. That I'm wearing right now as we speak. And it says the 2021-22 NBA champions. And it has the Warriors logo right there. And that's because it's because of a lot of people, obviously. The championship takes a it's a team effort. But it is primarily because that 6'3, sub 200 pound man out of Davidson. 
They call him the babyface assassin for a reason. People get all mesmerized by that babyface part. They forget that last that last word. He's cold blood killer. Okay, I I've never seen that from Jokic. I've rarely seen it from Luca, and I've never seen it from Embiid. So, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Steph, if Steph isn't the best player in the world, Giannis is, and that's it. Nobody else is above Steph. You want to put Giannis above him? Fine. You can't put anybody else above him. Can't. Ah, I'll tell you what. I, 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 I'm I telling you. The continued disrespect toward Dak and then toward Steph. I, I, I could I could do a segment. I could do a two-hour segment on the show just on those two guys and the hate that they, they get. Especially Steph, because as much as I love Dak, in terms of where they are in their respective uh, fields, obviously Steph is is leaps and bounds above Dak. Like Dak's not being considered to be a top 10 quarterback ever, obviously. Steph is. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Considered to be a top 10 NBA player of all time. Certainly, I've got him there. And I think as time goes, a lot more people will have him there. All right. So, looking at week three in the NFL, there are some really, really intriguing matchups. Um, in regards to quarterbacks, in terms of some interesting defensive matchups, including the Sunday night football game. And so when we look at what we have here in terms of what I've got for if I were a betting man segment for my upset of the week, and of course my my favorite uh, my, my favorite all-time segment, which is uh, if, if I were a betting man, and, and Bryson's bleak bet also is, is the new segment this year uh, for, for carving it up live. But... Let's just go and get this thing started. We're an hour into the show. Let's do the predictions. Here we go. Week three in the NFL. I will go. Two. I had a great week two. Okay, I went 11 and five. Bounced back from a six, nine and one. Week one. Bounced back. Almost doubled my win total. So my overall record, if you include last night's uh, game, is 19, 14 and one. Uh, let's see. Actually, it might be 18, 14. Well, I may have to check that. Anyways, point is, I got a winning record. Unlike last week. I'll take it. So let's start with the first game. You got the Houston Texans taking on the Chicago Bears. The Bears, a rare a rare game for the Bears in which they are the favorites in this game. Played well against the Niners in week one. Had their moments against the Green Bay Packers. People forget that could have been a one-score game midway through the fourth quarter if Matt Eberflus doesn't lose his mind and run a quarterback draw from the one-inch line rather than just running a sneak right over the top. You know, why, why are you in shotgun? Bears. That's why they're in shotgun. But they're favoring this game minus two and a half. Houston again comes in at 0 1 1. They had that tie against the Colts in week one. What's interesting in this game is Houston <laughs> Houston hung with Denver for a long time. Problem is, offensive line could not protect Davis Mills. Receivers couldn't really separate whatsoever. And Denver's defense gave them all kinds of problems. Chicago's defense, despite losing Khalil Mack, despite losing some other guys in the secondary, they have a lot of young players in that group. They have some playmakers. We know about Roquan Smith, but they've got, uh, uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Robert Quinn rushing the passer. And that is a Bears offensive line, uh, sorry, Texans offensive line that a rough game against Denver. 
So given that, given the fact that I think Justin Fields is going to have a big bounce back game, I think it could be a situation where it could be a little awkward uh, considering the fact that it's, you know, what Justin Fields said with the fans. I didn't have an issue with what Justin Fields said for the record, but you sort of had that dynamic going on. With that said, I think when it's all said and done, I have got the Chicago Bears coming out on top by a final score of 21 to 18. I think they win this game by the skin of their teeth. Maybe on a walk-off field goal or something, but it'll be won by a uh, by three-point margin. Let's move on to the Las Vegas Raiders and the Tennessee Titans in Nashville, Tennessee. Got two 0-2 teams, both desperate. The uh, Raiders are two-point favorites in Nashville in this game. Here's the thing. Here's, to me, what breaks the tie in this regard. Because both teams have blown late-game execution. Tennessee got absolutely walloped by the Buffalo Bills on Monday. So you know they're going to come in. You know, they're their pride, you know, they're they're athletes. They want to make a statement. Right? At home against a Raiders team that they have had success at times against. We know Tennessee runs the ball well. We know Vegas does a poor job stopping the run. And so when I look at that, I think that matters. I don't really trust either defense. But you know who I do trust? I trust Derek Carr and I trust Devontae Adams. And so that's what it comes down to in the end. I'm going to take the Raiders to win this game 27-21. to 21. I'm 0-2 just like the Raiders thus far in terms of predicting the Raiders because I predicted them to win in week one and in week two. And I've come to regret it both times because, of course, they lost both games. I think the Raiders bounce back from an absolutely heartbreaking loss against the Arizona Cardinals. They come into Nashville. They win this game in that 1 o'clock window. For them, to be a 10 o'clock kickoff, a 10 a.m. kickoff in Vegas. I'll take the Raiders to win this game. Here's an interesting one. Kansas City, Indianapolis. Indianapolis 0-1-1, Kansas City 2-0. Football's all about matchups. Sports is all about matchups. Kansas City's offensive line, it's been an underreported story in part because they're 2-0 and Mahomes is amazing. Their offensive line hasn't played very well. As a matter of fact, heard this stat? Patrick Mahomes has been pressured as many times as Joe Burrow has been this season. And I went on a big rant on Monday show about how bad Burrow's offensive line was and how poor of a job the Bengals have done to help him. Kansas City's hasn't been a lot better. In some areas, it's been worse. Despite the success of Creed Humphrey a year ago and my man Trey Smith out of Tennessee a year ago. So, given the Colts' really good defensive line, this could be closer than anticipated. In this game, by the way, Kansas City is a five-and-a-half-point road favorite. To me, I'm just going to tell you outright, take the Colts plus five-and-a-half. Good pass rush. Again, they're desperate. They're at home. This is their first home game of the season. They just got embarrassed against Jacksonville. Again, there sort of comes that pride aspect of it. But with that said, I am going to take the Chiefs to win this game. Sort of a, a high-scoring affair. Again, I don't trust Kansas City's defense in the slightest. To me, that will that will be their downfall this season, especially come playoff time, which Kansas City is making the playoffs, folks. I don't know if you, you haven't noticed. But I do think Kansas City is going to win this game by a final score of 31-28. to 28. A very exciting affair against the Indianapolis Colts in Indianapolis. Let's move on to a really interesting one. you got a divisional matchup in the AFC East between the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Now, I have been lectured all week by the vicious fan base that happens to be the Miami Dolphins. I don't dislike Dolphins fans. I don't really like Cleveland fans that much or Philadelphia fans that much. I like Miami fans. Miami's a great city. Great people over there. For whatever reason, Dolphins fans seem to have a real problem with me criticizing their quarterback despite him throwing six touchdown passes, mostly to wide-open receivers. But they have an issue. That's fine. You've been telling me how great Tua is. 
That's that's awful funny. He's a he's a six point underdog at home. That, that, that can't be. If he's if he's a franchise quarterback. How is he? How's he a six point underdog? That doesn't even make any sense. Oh, it does because he's playing the best team in the NFL and he's playing an exponentially better quarterback in Josh Allen, who arguably might be the best quarterback in the game. Who knows? He's in that discussion with Mahomes and, and, and all these other great quarterbacks. And so this to me is the game where we see the real Tua. He'll have his plays occasionally. Tua is a starting quarterback in this league. I don't want to make it sound like he's Mitch Trubisky or something. Tua is a starting quarterback in this league. But, and he'll have his moments with Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, Mike Kosecki. That Bills defense, folks, they made the Los Angeles Rams look anemic offensively. Stafford was awful. Cooper Cup at times couldn't separate. Allen Robinson was a no-show. They couldn't run the ball. Their offensive line was awful. Von Miller's getting to the quarterback. Maybe you're not going to see it in that regard. Oh, but you're going to see it. Two is going to be under pressure. And once again, for the second straight week, asked to play from behind. The difference is, unlike Baltimore, Buffalo's not going to blow their coverages. Leslie Frazier's going to have those guys ready to go. With that said, I think Buffalo wins this game by double digits. Give me the Bills to win this game and cover the six-point spread 34-21 to over the Miami Dolphins. Again, Tua's going to have his moments. He's got a ton of weapons. He's got an improved offensive line. Buffalo has shown, though, it doesn't matter who they're playing defensively. They played a defense that had the best defensive player in football, Aaron Donald, two weeks ago. And it didn't matter whatsoever. Jalen Ramsey got burned by Stephon Diggs, who's had a great start to the season. He just had three touchdowns against the Tennessee Titans. Tell me Miami's going to stop him? They couldn't stop Lamar Jackson. And I love Lamar. Lamar is not Josh Allen. The Ravens offense is not the Bills offense. Buffalo's going to have another field day, just like they've been having all, all you know, the first two games to start the season. Give me the Bills to win this game 34-21 to 21 over the Miami Dolphins. You got another divisional matchup. You got the Lions and the Vikings. And this is an interesting one. Minnesota, despite that bad, bad loss against the Philadelphia Eagles on Monday Night Football, at home, they're six-point favorites against the one-on-one Detroit Lions, equally equally one-on-one Detroit Lions. This is interesting. Detroit has one of the best offenses in the NFL. In fact, in some categories, they're first. If I'm not mistaken, they're first or second in scoring offense. They just scored 35 against Philadelphia, that same Philadelphia defense that held Minnesota to a single touchdown. And they just scored 36 against the Commanders defense. Minnesota's defense is going to be a unit that hopefully gets better as time goes on. They're, they're going to have to build a little bit of cohesiveness with the new staff, with some new players, obviously adding, you know, Zedarius Smith in the offseason. It's going to take time. So they're going to have some lapses here and there that I think this Lions offense, Amonra St. Brown, uh, uh, DeAndre Swift in the backfield, they're going to expose some of those. So I'm going Detroit plus six. I almost had this as my if I were a betting man game. I decided against it. Outright, I'm going to take the Vikings, but I think it comes down to the wire. To the wire. Again, Detroit is like Jacksonville. I think Detroit is going to win six games, and a lot of their losses are going to be by the skin of their teeth. This will be one of them. Minnesota won by a game-winning field goal last year against Detroit. I think there's a chance they do it again. I got the winning by one 
31 to 30 over the Detroit Lions. It is time now for our new segment, Bryson's Bleak Bet. It is the bet that I have no confidence in whatsoever. The pick that I have no confidence in whatsoever. I, I've always said there's that one game a week where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this team. I'm going to take this line. And I have absolutely no confidence in it whatsoever. We all have those games. And this is one of them. The Baltimore Ravens, the New England Patriots. In this game, Baltimore is a three-point road favorite in Foxborough. Both teams coming in at 1-1. One one. The difference is Ravens coming off a crushing loss, a, a brutal loss, having a 21-point lead and blowing it twice to the Miami Dolphins, whereas the New England Patriots coming in off of a good win in Pittsburgh, 17-14 over the Steelers. Here's what I'm looking at. Bill Belichick, for whatever reason, seemed to coach well against the Baltimore Ravens in Foxborough. Particularly, especially two years ago, Lamar Jackson in Foxborough. Two years ago, remember that Sunday night game? Cam Newton was the quarterback that night for the Patriots. Lamar, in what was some you know dicey weather, wasn't that great. And so I look at this. The Patriots defense isn't as good as it was last year. They still got some playmakers on that side of the football. You've got Baltimore coming in, and we're going to really learn a lot about the Ravens this week in my view. Are they going to be so discouraged by last week's loss that it carries into this week on the road against the Patriots? Or are they going to respond? Are they going to come out hair on fire, pissed off, take out on another AFC East opponent? I think the opposite happens. And again, I'm not confident at all in this pick. But I've been saying since the preseason that I thought the Patriots would win this game. I'm going to stick with it. Give me the New England Patriots. 27-23 to over the Ravens in an upset in Foxborough. That is not my upset of the week. It almost was. You'll see that later on in the show. But I've got the New England Patriots winning this game by a final score of 27-23 to over the Ravens. Look, the Ravens gave up 42 to Miami. We know Miami has all kinds of playmakers offensively. New England not even close. But they're at home. Got an opportunity to uh, to, to beat the Ravens Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'm going to take the Patriots in this game. The next game is a get-right game for the road team. you got the Cincinnati Bengals coming into the Meadowlands to play the New York Jets. So it's a get-right game for the Bengals. Coming in at 0-2, here's what we know. If you start 0-3, you got a very, very, I mean, tiny, 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 tiny chance to make the playoffs because only six teams in NFL history have started 0-3 and made the playoffs. Cincinnati, you do not want to join that group. I mean, making the playoffs, of course. Everybody wants to make the playoffs, however you got to do it. But you don't want to put yourself in a position where you have to make NFL history to make the playoffs. So coming into New York in this game, okay, the Bengals are six-and-a-half-point favorites. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. I thought about it. I considered it. This is my segment. What a betting man. If I were betting man... I'm going to take the Bengals to cover. I'm going to take the Bengals to win this game 31-17 to 17 over the New York Jets. Here's why. Jets are coming in after a miracle win in Cleveland over the Browns, scoring those two late touchdowns in the last two minutes, recovering that onside kick in between those two scores to win that game against the Browns. So coming back home, been, maybe you've been reading the press clippings a little bit, feeling good about yourself and for a team that hasn't accomplished very much like the New York Jets that has a lot of young talent but hasn't really done a whole lot with it because in part because they are young. We got the Bengals coming in 
Heartbreaking loss to the Steelers. Heartbreaking loss to the Dallas Cowboys. You were favored by a touchdown in both games. You come in again favored as a touchdown on the road against the Jets. Cincinnati started to turn it around a little bit in that game against Dallas. And I think if that thing goes to overtime in Jerry World, Cincinnati wins it. So I think the Bengals will win this game. I'll put the score up once again. I think they will cover six and a half point spread and win this game 31 to 17 over the New York Jets. We've got a rivalry game. We've got a revenge game. Divisional matchup. Philadelphia Eagles, Washington Commanders. This is Carson Wentz's first game against the team that drafted him since they traded him to the Indianapolis Colts, who then, this offseason, traded him to the Washington Commanders. So in this game, Philadelphia, I don't blame the I don't blame Vegas at all for this, on the road against a division rival. Six-point road favorites against Washington. Again, Commanders coming in off a tough loss on the road against the Detroit Lions. Philadelphia coming in at 2-0. I said on the show yesterday, I think they're absolutely a Super Bowl contender. Uh, given what Jalen Hurts has shown me in terms of his improvements, I'm going to be interested to see what defensive coordinators trying to throw at the Eagles, if he can adjust to it. But you've got the running game, which is stellar. Washington has struggled against the run, against Jacksonville and against Detroit. So Philadelphia, one of, if not the best running teams in the NFL, led by one of, if not, the best offensive line in football. With all those weapons, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard, all these guys, there's only so much the commanders can do on that side of the ball. I think Carson Wentz is the type of quarterback, the type of guy. He strikes this type of dude that coming in, wants to beat his old team. He's going to get two chances to do it because he's in the division with the Eagles. Again, in the NFC East, he seems like the type of dude that's going to press. He's going to try to do too much. We have seen him do it time and time again. And so with that said, I am going to take Eagles to win this game 28-20 to over the Washington Commanders to go to 3-0 on this 2022 NFL season. Give me the Eagles to cover that 6.5-point spread over Washington. Commanders drop 1-2. Eagles stay in the lead in the NFC East. They go to 3-0. Moving on now to another division matchup. New Orleans Saints, Carolina Panthers. He's coming in off a really tough loss against a division rival, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, at home last week. It's a 3-3 tie for a while in Tampa Bay because in part due to some Jameis Winston interceptions, three straight, uh, I, I, I might say. Buccaneers go on a 17-0 run, or 17-7 run to win that game. Carolina coming in off of two straight field goal or less losses. Cleveland in week one, the Giants in week two. We know about Carolina. I think they've lost like 10 straight games when the game is decided by a field goal or less. Carolina, since last year coming into this year, I think that has a lot to do with below average quarterback play and below average coaching. That's what it points to. They've struggled in late game situations. Being at home against the Saints, this shapes up to be somewhat of a, a close game. At least given what the, what Vegas is saying, they got Saints. They got Saints minus two and a half. The Saints seem like the type of team to me. A lot of veterans, a lot of young guys. This seems like the type of game on the road. You sort of have a, a backs against the wall type of feel to it, where you feel like you should be two and zero. You could be zero and two if you don't make that big comeback against the Atlanta Falcons in Week One. So the Saints have been living on the edge a little bit. 
This, to me, feels like their statement game. I think they go on the road and make a statement against the Carolina Panthers. Baker Mayfield, Tom Brady struggled mightily, has struggled mightily against that Saints defense. I think they're going to make Baker Mayfield look like well, what he is. A very average quarterback on a good day. Saints win this game 26-13 over the Carolina Panthers. It is time now for my upset of the week. Put it on the board. Give me the Jacksonville Jaguars for a second straight week as my upset of the week. I'm taking them to beat the LA Chargers 28-24. The Chargers are three-and-a-half-point favorites in this game. I think Jacksonville going to LA to that beautiful SoFi Stadium and beating the Chargers. Here is why. Two words. Justin Herbert. What? Justin Herbert's phenomenal. He's not going to be the reason they lose. Not his fault. He's hurt. He's been limited in practice. It looks like he's going to play. We saw him at the end of that Kansas City game, folks. That dude wasn't. He wasn't injured. He was flat out. He was in pain, man. Every throw. He's wincing. He's holding his rib. Heck, it got so bad that when the game was over, when he was shaking the hands of of Chiefs players and coaches, he's uh, grimacing every single time that he grips the hand of somebody else from the Kansas City Chiefs to shake their hand after the game. I mean, he's grimacing every little movement. He is He's holding his rib. I have a hard time believing that it will heal that drastically over time over the course of 10 days. I'm not a doctor, not going to play one of the show. And I certainly don't know how Justin Herbert is healing. What I do know is that he's been limited in practice. We don't know what he's going to be on Sunday. Jacksonville coming in riding high off a big home win. I should say another win over the Indianapolis Colts at home. They seem to do that frequently. Coming into to L.A., we know. I'm going to quote my man Ryan Flowers once again. The Chargers going to be the Chargers. If it's a close game, they will somehow find a way to blow it. They invent new ways to lose close game. I don't know if it's going to be a bad snap. I don't know. It's, it's not going to be a pick six because it's not the same thing. It's not going to happen two weeks in a row. We lost the pick six last week. It's not going to happen again this week. I don't know if it's going to be blown coverage in, in the last 30 seconds on a deep ball from Trevor Lawrence to Christian Kirk. I don't know. What I do know is Trevor Lawrence has looked really good the first two games. The Jaguars' running game has been tremendous. James Robinson, Travis Etienne. And Christian Kirk looks like he's been worth the money. We thought they, you know, they kind of overpaid him this offseason. No, he's been really good. And so against that Chargers defense, which had its moments against Kansas City, when it came down to it, could not get the stop when it mattered. Not just, not even after just a pick six. Remember Kansas City's up. They're driving down the field. Chargers really need a stop to give their offense one more chance to win the game. And they give them the field goal. So, with that said, give me the Jacksonville Jaguars. The second straight week, the Jaguars are my upset of the week pick. They will beat the Chargers this go-around, 28-24. Got a few more games to go in the afternoon window. Another West Coast matchup, another divisional matchup between the defending Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams taking on the Arizona Cardinals. Both teams at 1-1 one one. in this game. The Rams are favored on the road, minus 3.5. Here's what I'm looking at. We know about the playoff loss in January that started the Rams run. Wild card game. Game is over, it feels like, after the first quarter. Kyler throws an awful interception in the end zone. OBJ is a big night. Cooper Cop catches a touchdown. Stafford's on fire. Everything that could have went right did for the Rams. And vice versa, everything that could have went wrong did the Arizona Cardinals. People forget last year, 
week, I think it was week four, Arizona came into LA and Molly walked the Rams. The Rams were undefeated at the time. Cardinals came in and kicked their behinds. Monday night football, mid-December. Rams come into Arizona. Neither team's playing that well. When it's all said and done, the Rams pulled out in the end, and that's kind of what started the free fall that ended up being the Arizona Cardinals at the end of the 2021 season. But there's something about these emotional wins, these pull-it-out-of-the-hat wins, which Arizona had against the Raiders. Kyler was spectacular. We, we, everybody's, It's been all over social media, that two-point conversion against the Raiders. Of course, we know about the Hunter Renfro fumble that got recovered for a touchdown to win the game. This seems like a game that could go back and forth. This seems to me like a game that Arizona could have kind of be in control in in the fourth quarter. So I would go Cardinals plus three and a half. But when it's all said and done, never underestimate the heart of a champion. Somehow, some way, Matt Stafford, the Rams offense, I think this is Allen Robinson's come out game. The Cardinals have a bad secondary. It didn't get exposed last week because Derek Carr, my man, Derek Carr, I love him. Derek Carr was awful in the second half against the Cardinals. Patrick Mahomes took advantage of it in week one. Matthew Stafford take, takes advantage of it in State Farm Stadium against the Arizona Cardinals. Rams win this game. They don't cover the three and a half point spread, but they win outright by a final score of 27 to 24 over the Arizona Cardinals. Let's go quickly because I don't want to spend too much time. I don't like spending a whole lot of time between two bad teams, especially as we go on. You got the Atlanta Falcons taking on the Seattle Seahawks. Two teams in line possible to get the number one pick in the draft. Both teams in desperate need of a quarterback and a whole lot of other great players in order to get back into playoff contention. Seattle right now is favored at minus one. It's kind of gone back and forth. Uh, not, nobody really trusts either team. I just kind of flipped a coin on this one because I think Atlanta has some pretty good playmakers. We know Cordero Patterson had a great year last year. He's been good this year. Seattle. DK Metcalf, we know what he can do. Tyler Lockett, the same. It's all said and done. I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons to go on the road to Seattle and win this game 26-21 to over the Seahawks. Moving on to what is, I think, the game that we are all looking at this week. We've got, possibly, sit back and enjoy the final matchup between Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. In this game, the Bucks are favored minus one. I'm hearing a lot of people taking Green Bay for this reason. They're saying, hey, look, if Tom Brady had a healthy receiving unit, we'd take the Bucks. But you've got Godwin's out, Julio Jones is out, you've got Mike Evans out due to suspension. They had to have Cole Beasley, who, by the way, I think is a pretty good pickup for him. He's kind of a slightly lesser version of Julian Edelman. Good pickup for Tom Brady and the Bucks. And it's, it's, it's like, uh, you know, Tom doesn't have a lot of guys. Uh, I don't know. Have you seen Green Bay? They're not in a whole lot better situation. I mean, you're relying on Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs. Sandy Watkins is out this week due to injury. Alan Lazard just now came back from injury. They had some pretty rough moments against the Bears where Aaron Rodgers was double-clutching, doubting himself, doubting whether his receivers can separate, if he can fit that ball in. You're going to see a lot of that against a Tampa defense. That is amazing was great against Dallas, was great against the Saints. Now, they're facing an, they face an awful offensive line in Dallas with below average receivers. They faced a, a, a Saints offense that has plenty of playmakers, but had Jameis Winston. 
This week, it's Aaron Rodgers. Below average target. I think in this game, I'm going to take the Bucks to win. Whoops, here we go. I'm going to take the Bucks to win 27-23 over the Green Bay Packers. Tom Brady, more times than not, has beaten Aaron Rodgers. He's beaten them, I think, the last three matchups. 2018, when he was still a Patriot. 2020, in Tampa Bay. And then, of course, the last time these two teams faced the NFC Championship game, where, of course, the Buccaneers beat the Packers. 31-26 to advance to win Super Bowl 55 over Kansas City. I've got the Buccaneers winning this game 27-23. Finally, the Sunday night game. San Francisco 49ers, Denver Broncos. San Francisco is a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. First of all, Vegas, can't say I blame you, okay? Denver's offense has looked flat-out anemic the first two games. Against Seattle, who has a bad defense, and against Houston. We don't think they have the greatest defense ever either. I do it. Going against a Niners defense with a great pass rush, excellent linebacking core, good enough secondary to get the job done. You're dealing with injuries to Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton. They've ran the ball well, though, with Jamal Williams, particularly, and with uh, 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 Melvin Gordon. Russell seemed to struggle with his connection with his receivers. Nathaniel Hackett looks like he's the second coming of Mike McCarthy in terms of clock management. I don't know what's going on in that regard. But you got the Niners coming in with Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay, the, the, That team has flat out bought in to Jimmy G as their quarterback this season. With Trey Lance going down, we know Jimmy G has led. He's helped the Niners get to Super Bowl 54 two years later. Last year, the NFC Championship game. This seems like the type of game to me. This this feels, I know Denver's 1-1, one one, Cincinnati's 0-2. Just like the Bengals, this feels like a little bit of a get-right game for the Denver Broncos, where you lose this one, starts to get a little bit of doubt creeps in in the building. If you look at the Broncos' schedule from here on out, it is absolutely insane. Okay, Denver from here on out, after they play 49ers at home, in which they are an underdog in, They've got to go against the Raiders, Colts, Chargers, Jets, Jaguars, Titans, Raiders, Panthers. Then they got Ravens, Chiefs, Cardinals, Rams, uh, Chiefs again, Chargers. That schedule's no doubt, da- no, no, no joke whatsoever. Denver knows they need this game more than San Francisco. This is the, this is the opportunity for them to take advantage of the home momentum. Sunday night football, first time Sunday night football has been in Denver seems like in a very long time. I'm going to take the Broncos. Hesitantly, but I'm going to take the Broncos, my Super Bowl champion pick before the season. That has aged terribly well to beat the 49ers 27-24 to in the Mile High City. 27-24 to Broncos. Again, Niners are favored uh, minus a point and a half. I'm going to take Denver to win 27-24. Again, if it comes down to which quarterback has to make the big play at the end of the game, which I think it will, because these are two evenly matched teams, you know I'm going Russell Wilson over Jimmy Garoppolo because more times than not, Jimmy Garoppolo has struggled in these type of situations. All right, a little bit of a longer show today, but we had a lot to talk about. We had a lot to talk about. So uh, what else we got? So my Red Sox are up one nothing over the Yankees. Again, Aaron Judge, every time he gets an opportunity at the play. That game's on Apple TV Plus, by the way. Aaron Judge is 0-1 tonight with a strikeout. 
Uh, he's leading off right now for the Yankees. Something else that's interesting, I talked about at the beginning of the show with Aaron Judge, something else that is incredibly impressive about him and what he's doing this season is not just the 60 home runs, which is likely going to be 61 and then a record 62. Plus, he's got a chance to win the Triple Crown. He's got a chance to win a Triple Crown this year. So, hats off to Aaron Judge. He's changed his swing a lot this season. His mechanics are flawless compared to the last few seasons. It's actually his first year that he's hitting over 300. He's hitting right, what is he, 315 right now, I think. He was as high as 318, uh, but he's dropped down to 315 a little bit, but he still has a real shot to win the batting title. Um, he's He's been absolutely fantastic this season. One last little nugget before we get out of here. I just wanted to throw this in. Uh, my Tennessee Volunteers are playing the Florida Gators tomorrow in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, Florida's 20th ranked, my Vols, are the 11th ranked team in America and are 10.5-point favorites at home against the Gators. That game, by the way, kicks off at 3.30 Eastern on CBS. It's the big SEC game of the week on CBS. 10.5 feels like a lot, but then again, Anthony Richardson has the quarterback for Florida. He has, First of all, he's yet to throw a touchdown pass this year. And throwing the football, it has looked clunky at best. After that fantastic performance against Utah in week one, he really struggled against Kentucky. And then last week, who was it Florida play? I think it was a team within the state of Florida. I think it was South Florida that they played last week as a big night game. He struggled in that one as well. Meanwhile, for Tennessee, my man Hendo Cinco, Hendon Hooker, has been phenomenal in his career at Tennessee. I think his numbers are like 52 touchdown passes to we I just called him Hendo Cinco, so we're going to say dose interceptions. So he doesn't turn the ball over. He seems to have improved his deep ball from last year to this year. I was a little concerned with, with Hendon Hooker in that regard, but it looks like he's improved there. Um, his connections with the receivers have been absolutely phenomenal with Cedric Tillman and Brew McCoy. Jalen Hyatt had a big game last week against Akron. That defense has surprised me a lot this year. Made the plays that they needed to down the stretch in that huge win at Pittsburgh. They're going to need to make those plays against Florida, the dual threat in 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 in, uh, in in Florida. So I'm going to take my balls to win this game. What are we going to go? We're going to score over 30. Let's let, let's go let's go Vols 35, Florida 24. Okay, you know what? I think they cover. I think they cover. Anthony Richardson has a long day. Hennon Hooker has a great day. And tomorrow we will be saying it's great to be. A Tennessee ball. Let's get it. Let's beat Florida. Let's uh we we ended the streak a few years ago in 2016, but I think it's Florida's won like 15 of the last 16 matchups, something like that. Let's let's put a let's put a big old orange and white dent in that streak. Let's go, Vols. All right, that is all the time we have for today's show. Appreciate everybody stopping by. As always, be sure to catch Carving Up Live on Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific time on Facebook Live, YouTube, and on Twitter. Also, be sure to catch the Carving Up Podcast on the Grid Network. Again, part of the Grid Podcasting Network now. So, so excited. The Grid Network, new episodes available about an hour, two hours after every show is over on Apple Podcasts and Spotify as of now. We're hoping to expand that uh, further as as the network begins to grow. So catch the show over there if you want to listen to it. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, via the Grid Network. So be sure to catch that. Also follow me on social media. Instagram, at Carving It Up Podcast. Twitter, at Carving It Up Pod. Facebook, search Bryson Carver. You should see the Carving It Up logo. And also, this is my first time saying it on this show, I am on TikTok. 
Carving It Up Podcast, at Carving It Up Podcast on TikTok, putting some clips from the shows on there. So be sure to check that out. I saw TikTok is allowing you to post like up to 10-minute videos now, which is great because it's, it's kind of tough to – you guys know I'm long-winded sometimes. I mean, crap, I just did an hour-and-a-half show. It's hard to clip it in an hour and, – and, and, I'm sorry, in a minute-and-a-half clips. So to be able to expand that a little bit, appreciate TikTok for doing that. It helps me a little bit. But uh, be sure to catch me on there as well. So a weekend full of football, full of football, college football, NFL football, lots of football, Monday night football on Monday. You gotten tired of me saying that word yet? I have, but I don't get tired of football. I'll tell you that. I love football. All right. Have a great weekend, everybody. Continue to stay safe out there. God bless you all. Peace out. Go Vols! Be Florida! Thanks so much for watching the show on YouTube. Be sure to click that big red subscribe button and go check out the other clips and full shows of Carving It Up Live. Have a blessed day. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.